Welcome to church, everyone. Great to see you. Good morning. My name's Otto Ramos. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. For those of you joining us online, welcome to church. It's my great privilege to greet each and all of you today. If this is one of your first times joining us, we encourage you to check us out at vlchurch.com. And there's a banner on our front page on our website that says, are you new here? If you could do me a favor and click on that banner and let us know that you're joining us. Complete the form. I will connect with you sometime this week, but indeed, thanks for being with us today. I have a few announcements this morning that I want to share with you, uh, which includes our life group fair. We mentioned this last week. Uh, We have a lot of life groups that are going to be happening over the course of the next several weeks and few months this spring, and we're really, really pumped about that. And if you'd like to learn about some of those life groups, some of our leaders will actually be in the north foyer right outside the doors here, and you can chit-chat with them after service today and learn more about the studies and the focus of their Bible study. Uh, This uh, next six to eight weeks, some will be going on for several, several weeks, several months, I should say. One study is going on for six months. But we encourage you to stop out here and talk to our leaders and learn more about what's happening and get connected and get signed up. You can sign up with them or you can sign up online at vlchurch.com. There should be a banner on our front page that says life groups. 
If you don't see it there, go to the Grow tab and you can get signed up there. But we're really excited about those. Also want to make mention of the fact that we are going to be having our next installment of Growth Track. And you might be thinking, what is Growth Track? What is a class for those of you that are relatively new to Victory Life Church that want to find sort of a pathway or a track for your own spiritual growth? And if you're new and trying to find your way here at Victory Life, it's a great way to get connected uh, to learning more about your faith and getting connected to service. And so if you'd like to attend that growth track session, it starts in two weeks from today on January 23rd. It will be at 9.30 a.m. And once again, you can sign up online at vlchurch.com. You can click on the banner that says Get Connected at VLC Join Growth Track. So looking forward to that. Also, we're having a launch Sunday. We mentioned this last week. Uh, This will be happening next Sunday, in fact, in which case we will be returning to our year-long theme of Pursue, Connect, and Ignite. And Pastor Matt's going to be starting a series on the book of Colossians. And uh, the main theme will be based on a verse out of Colossians 1.9 that says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That is a loaded verse. But the entire uh, sermon series that Pastor Matt will be delivering will be focused on that main theme. And so the theme for this study will be pursuing spiritual growth. And, you know, a lot of people ask leaders and us as pastors, you know, what, what is God's will? What does God want me to do? Where does God want me to go? And so if that is a question that is in your mind about a particular situation or issue or relationship in your life, we encourage you to attend this study because I think God will provide for you some crystal clarity about where he wants you to go in that particular area of your life if you attend over these next couple of months during this study. So we're really excited about that. It's going to be starting next Sunday and uh, looking forward. And so we, we hope that you'll join us and maybe even bring a friend. We also encourage you to join us for what's going to be happening on Friday, January 28th, uh, on, at 6.30 p.m., that will be called our Pursue Night. So in an effort to relaunch everything around our yearly theme of Pursue, Connect, and Ignite, we're going to have this Pursue Night, in which case we will gather as God's people and worship the Lord Jesus and pray for one another. And afterwards, we're going to have a time of fellowship and have some food. I think we're going to keep it simple and order some pizza and have some games, and it's going to be a great time. And so we invite you to join us. Once again, that's going to be Friday, January 28th at 6.30 p.m., and uh, we hope that we hope that you'll uh, join us that evening. Well, that's all I have in the way of announcements this morning. If you have come to worship the Lord Jesus with your tithes and offerings, you likely know what to do and how to do it. You can text to give. You can give online at our website at vlchurch.com, or you could give the good old-fashioned way. As you exit the sanctuary this morning, our ushers will be awaiting you, and you can give as you, as you leave uh, today. But thank you for worshiping the Lord Jesus. Can we uh, stand in an effort to uh, prepare our hearts and minds to worship our God? Let's pray. Father God, we've come into this place to lift up your name. I mean, the fact that we know your name means that we know who you are because you revealed yourself to us. 
In fact, Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of who you are. And so, Father God, we thank you for showing us exactly and precisely who you are. And it is because of who you are that we have come to worship you now. May you anoint us as we enter into this time with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's get excited to worship this morning.
bow your heads as we enter into a time of worship. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Lord, we know we can look back to see everything that you've done for us. And Lord, we can proclaim to our families, to our friends, to people that come into our path, look what the Lord has done. That is our testimony of your goodness. And Lord, I thank you that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. And we can speak. We can speak the name of Jesus or over anything in our life. Lord, our families, our communities, over sickness, Lord, over our health, Lord, we can trust you and we can speak that name of Jesus. Lord, move in this place this morning. If some need to shout your name, let them shout it. If some need to declare your name over their families, Lord, let them declare your name. Let your spirit move, Lord, in a mighty way this morning in this place as we speak your name. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus And I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire and I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul Your name is power. 
And shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. And Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus.
Father God, there is power today in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Power unto salvation. Power over addiction. Power over depression. Power over fear and anxiety. There is power in the name of Jesus. And one day we know that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Lord, I pray that the salvation and the healing, the hope and the life that we have found in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, would enliven our hearts and that we would speak to those around us who need to know the Lord and Savior of the world. We pray all these things today in that powerful and precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, once again, welcome to Victory Life Church this morning. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us. We have a very special time this morning because we get to dedicate two little ones to the Lord. One of them is staring at me in dapper, dapper clothing right now. He is enamored. with. He wants to listen to my sermon, I can tell already. But before that, we're going to pray for him. Where's that other little one? There she is. Well, why don't the Terhunes and the Montgomerys, why don't you come on up and uh, the Terhunes can come over here and the Montgomerys can come over here because that's where your little sheets are. So, wonderful. Well, with me this morning, uh, up front here is our children's director, uh, Miss Jody Kiesler, and she is going to uh, tell you a little bit about why we do baby dedication and what these beautiful roses represent. So, Jody. Baby dedication is a time when we have um, the families just choose and decide to do exactly what the songs we were singing said. They are choosing to raise their children in the name of Jesus. They're choosing to be a family that says this is the right way. This is the way that I know is going to be best for our family and our children. And it is a privilege as the people of Victory Life Church to join with them and to show them our support through our love for their family, our prayers for their family, and through our service to their family. It's a really wonderful time. All right. Well, we have a little tradition here at Victory Life. This has nothing to do with anything we see scripturally. There is no theology behind this, okay? Because you'll ask me later, all right? We just like to stretch our hands towards these little ones as a sign that we're agreeing in prayer over their lives. Can you do that with us if you're comfortable this morning? And we are going to pray over little Faith Terhune, all right? Would you join in prayer with me over Faith? Dear Lord Jesus... We pray over faith this morning. God, we just thank you for her life. We thank you for the gift that she is. God, I just thank you right now for the things that she is going to accomplish for the kingdom of God. So today in this place, we dedicate her to you. We dedicate her to you knowing that we will do our best as parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, and of course church family to raise her in the nurture and admonition of the Lord I pray your blessing upon her all the days of her life. I pray that at a very young age, she would decide to make Jesus her Lord and Savior. And I pray that she would be baptized and serve you all of her days. I pray, Lord, that she would accomplish great things for the kingdom of God as she becomes a mighty woman of faith. 
and I pray she would be a blessing to all those around her. She belongs to you today, Lord Jesus, and we declare it in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And this is little Caleb over here this morning. Thank you for paying attention to me when I speak. It means a lot. Would you stretch your hand towards Caleb this morning? Heavenly Father, we just dedicate little Caleb to you this morning. God, we thank you for his life. It is a gift. God, we pray that your blessing would be upon him all the days of his life, that you would keep him from sickness, harm, and disease. God, we thank you that he is going to grow to be a mighty man of God. And we pray today that as we dedicate him for the day that he makes Jesus his Lord and Savior, asking you to make him everything that you've designed him to be. We pray that he would be baptized and serve you all the days of his life. God, we pray that he would do great things in the kingdom of God. And today we dedicate ourselves as parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, friends and church family to raise him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, looking forward to all that he will accomplish for you. We dedicate him now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. We have some beautiful roses for you to take as well as a, um, as well as a certificate so you can take those. And can we just give the Lord a thanks and praise for these little lives this morning? God bless you. All right, children, you may be dismissed to go down with Miss Jody to Young Disciples at this time. Get a message on your level. Not that you don't want to go deep into the Greek with me this morning, like everybody here. But uh, if you're new here this morning, we invite you to allow your kids to go down to our children's church program. They're going to be in room 103. You can pick them up right after service. After you've stopped and signed up for a life group, shameless plug, you're welcome, Pastor Otto. If you have your Bibles this morning, will you turn in them to John chapter 15 with me, John chapter 15. We talked last week about lasting change, and we spoke out of a passage from Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, if you missed it, you can pick it up at vlchurch.com under the Grow tab under Messages and pick up where we left off last week. We're going to talk a little bit more about lasting change today. Now imagine that you were interviewing today for your dream job. Now I I don't mean assistant to the regional manager, okay? I don't mean that dream job. I don't mean that job that you're supposed to say that you want. I mean the job you really want. You know, the one you dreamed about when you were a kid. You know, the one that, 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 that you just thought, that would be awesome if I got to grow up and do that. Okay, I, I, just, I just want you to think about that job for just a minute. And now you imagine you're in your interview, and I'm the interviewer. And I look at you and I say, I want to know something about you. Are you more relationally driven or production and results oriented? Which one are you? Are you ready? I'm going to have you tell me out loud. Are you, are you, are you relationally driven or, or are you results and oriented driven? One, two, three. Who said both? You answered right. Well done. You've been coached up. Somebody in HR pulled you aside early in your career and said both, right? See, it's a trick question. I got you all. But I like a little audience participation on a rainy day, okay? 
Here we go. Yeah, you want to be both. You want to be relationally driven. No one likes the person at the business place or office who gets results but treats everybody terribly, do they? And, and no one likes the person who's the lovable slacker either. Like, you love them, but you're like, could you actually get something done today? We'd appreciate it. Right? You want to be both. What if I told you I could prove to you from the scriptures this morning that God wants you to be both? Because I can. It's right in here. God wants you to be relationally oriented, but also be results and production driven. And I want to talk to you about lasting change from John chapter 15 today, because Jesus is going to signal to us that God desires both for us, and he's going to give us the path to really producing for God while not losing our relationship with him. And that's how we accomplish so much for God. So before we launch into our Colossians series next week, I get to just talk to you about lasting change just one more time, and I'm going to get to talk to you about it from the very words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you have your Bibles and you turn to John chapter 15, some of you looked at that and you went, oh, I read this before. I've heard a pastor preach on this before. I got this. I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to zone out, and then I'm going to, going to Olive Garden. Well, listen. Imagine for just a moment, before we get into John 15, a very familiar passage, two things. Number one, it's a familiar passage because it's awesome, right? Like when you read a scripture that you've heard before, read before, had preached to you before, you've had it preached before and you've read it before and you've heard it before because it's great, okay? Number two, just imagine it this way for just a minute. Imagine you are going to head to your favorite restaurant after church today and you are going to get your favorite meal there, okay? Can you picture it? Think about your favorite restaurant, your favorite meal. You got it? You can even whisper it to your neighbor, all right? Pastor Otto's this chicken marsala at Carrabba's. That's what I found out this week, all right? So you get your favorite. Would any of you, when that is served to you, say, oh, no, thank you, I've had that before? No! You'd say, that's delicious, thank you very much. Well, this is delicious this morning. In John chapter 15, verse 1 and following, as we talk about lasting change from the word of God, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Here comes the relational stuff. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Isn't that interesting? Right in the middle of verse 5, we see that God is after production. He wants us to bear fruit by doing what? Abiding in Jesus. Do you see that? Production, results, and relationship all in the same passage. Jesus is signaling something to his disciples on the night before his death. He's letting them know that the time is coming where the kingdom of God's production is going to fall into the hands, in a good way, God planned it, of the disciples of Jesus Christ. The production of the kingdom is going to be left to the apostles and then to the people that are one to Christ through the apostles all the way down to you and me today. That, that, that the business of bringing about God's kingdom still originates and has its source of power in Jesus Christ, but absolutely needs the people of God in order to become all that it's supposed to be. 
Last week we talked about Nehemiah's spiritual distress. Does anybody remember this? We talked about the idea that God's kingdom had a standard that was up here, but Nehemiah was seeing what actually was going on in God's kingdom down here. And the spiritual distress was because there was a gap. And so he goes to God in prayer with that spiritual distress and says, God, what do you want me to do about the gap that I see? Well, in this case, it's not the gap that we see. It's, it's the production on the other side of the gap that we see. The disciples hadn't done anything wrong. They, they weren't a hot mess. They weren't needing to repent of sin. Jesus is reminding them that the day is coming, and the day is coming very soon, like 43 days from now, 53 days from now, I should say, that you guys are going to take this thing and run with it. And are you going to produce for God? Are you going to produce for God, folks? That's what he's asking. Now, I find this imagery of the vineyard interesting. We have some beautiful vineyards up around the Lake Erie shores around here, right? I find this interesting because it's not a picture that's in Scripture a ton, but it is in Scripture. In fact, if Jesus began to speak of the vineyard to his disciples, they would have had a context for that. And the context would have been Isaiah chapter 5, written 740 some odd years earlier. In Isaiah chapter 5, one of the most powerful imageries in all the Bible is laid out. Right before Isaiah saw, I saw the Lord seated high upon the throne of the tree of Israel. Right before Isaiah chapter 6, where he gets his call, is the last word of Isaiah chapter 5, which talks about the vineyard of the Lord. And the vineyard of the Lord in the Old Testament was Israel. And and God speaks of how the vineyard didn't produce fruit. God loved the vineyard. He tended to the vineyard. He created the vineyard. He looked after the vineyard. But the vineyard was fruitless. And therefore, the vineyard wasn't going to be the vineyard anymore. So when Jesus evokes this imagery of the vineyard, those folks who had been raised in synagogue would have went, oh, the vineyard. Except this vineyard is not going to be marked by its lack of production. This vineyard is going to be marked by its production getting better and stronger. Look at verse 2. It says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. See, So Jesus is not looking at the disciples on the way to the Mount of Olives going, guys, you stink. You haven't produced anything for the kingdom. I'm not really impressed with what you've done. You're starting at zero. He's looking at them and saying, you've got fruit, guys, and I recognize it. But God's going to prune you so you bear more fruit. Because we're in the fruit-growing business, don't you know? We're growing grapes. Nobody plants a vineyard and then goes, isn't that a pretty vineyard? No, you plant a vineyard in order to get grapes. Now, we don't all have grape arbors in our backyard, but every one of you has grown a tomato plant, haven't you? And when you have folks in your backyard and you've got a really good tomato plant that year, do you, do you go, hey, look at my tomato plant. Aren't the leaves beautiful? Don't say that. You're like, look at that big luscious tomato that is on the vine. Isn't that awesome? See, see, you grow your plant. A tomato is a fruit. My children would remind me if they hadn't gone down to children's church. You tell people, yeah, that's what I'm after. I'm after the fruit. Nobody's like, oh, that, that tomato plant's huge. Well, who cares? It doesn't matter how big it is. It matters if it's producing fruit. See, God is production-oriented. He's the vine dresser. He's looking to make sure that, that, that we produce everything that we're supposed to produce. He's not happy just with leaves. And that, that's why I, I feel like on biblical authority, as the scriptures speak to us today, I can look at you and I can look at my own life and say, God wants more from you. Every, every branch that's bearing fruit, he prunes so it will bear more fruit. He cuts it back so that it will 
It will survive and thrive. I've watched my wife do this with her rose bushes. She cuts them so far back. I'm like, what are you doing? All those beautiful roses. She's like, just trust me. Like, no. It was huge just a minute ago. Now it's just a little stalk of thorns. And a few days later, what do I see? It's beautiful again. Now, I would regale you with stories of my own pruning and gardening experience going great, but I don't have any. And therefore, I have to tell you about other people because most of the things that I've grown bore no fruit. And therefore, just as this passage says, I have to pull out a bunch of weeds because they might as well be weeds and just toss them away. And so I don't want us to see the negative here this morning. And that, I think people often look at this passage because of what's said at the beginning of verse 2 about him taking away every branch and what's said in verse 7 or 6, I'm sorry, about the branches being tossed in the fire, that, that, that oh, this is about heaven and hell. This is about salvation or not salvation. That's not what's going on here at all. This is a passage about the production of the people of God. Are you getting kingdom results today? Are you the vineyard that God pictured when Jesus died for you? Are you bearing the fruit that God pictured when he arranged the circumstances of your life that you might be saved? Are you bearing the fruit that God pictured when people poured into you, prayed for you, looked after you, discipled you, and made it possible for you to be the Christian you are today? Are you bearing fruit in measure with what God's poured in? That was the question of Isaiah 5, and that is the certainty of John chapter 15, that if you are bearing fruit, God wants to bring about the circumstances in your life to make sure that you are bearing more fruit. And how does he know this? He prunes. He prunes according to verse 2. But interestingly enough, that's not what the Bible says. He says, no, that's what the Bible says. It's on the screen, or it's in my Bible. It says prunes, but that's not what the original Greek Bible said. I think it's important. The first point I wanted to make to you today is that God wants more fruit from you, but the second point I want to make is that God wants to cleanse you by his word, and that's the actual word that's used in verse 2. Now, many of you might know that the Bible, the New Testament of our Bible, was written in Greek. Greek was the lingua franca at the time, the the language of the world at the time that the New Testament was written. So the New Testament writers wrote in Greek so that everybody could read it or at least have it read to them by somebody who was literate. So they wrote in Greek. Jesus and his disciples actually spoke Aramaic, which is kind of an updated version of Hebrew. All right, follow me here. We're going to get somewhere. So Jesus and his disciples were speaking in Aramaic that night on their way to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said something in Aramaic that made John say, not prunes, but cleans. Look at verse 3 for me in a minute. I want to prove this to you to show you what's going on here. Jesus said, already you are katherosh, you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Do you know what it says in verse 2? It says, every branch in me that bears fruit, he, the Father, katheros, cleans. The same word. So why does your Bible say prunes? Because the editors of your Bible wanted to stick with the metaphor. And the idea is that God prunes. He cuts back. He makes it able to bear more fruit. So it's not like they're translating it wrong, 
But what they're doing is trying to make sure that we don't get stuck in mixed metaphors. But here's the problem. Jesus wanted a mixed metaphor. That's why John wrote, every branch in you that bears fruit, he cleans. Because he wanted his disciples to hear that word, clean. Because that word, clean, is not a horticultural word, it's a spiritual word. Jesus said something that night that was incredibly important. He was saying, every branch in me that bears fruit, the Father wants to clean further. And already you've been cleaned or cleansed because of my word. That's that's Hebrew spiritual language. Jesus wants them to hear something that in their Hebrew mindset, their Jewish mindset, what they've been raised on would matter to them. Now, in the Old Testament, to be clean was to be ritually pure, was to live your life with such a distinctive flavor that you could eventually be made holy. There was clean and unclean, holy and common. If you took Leviticus class with me last year, you you would have heard these words, clean and unclean, holy and common. Clean makes it possible for you to be made holy. Clean makes it possible for you to approach God. Clean makes it possible for you to be set apart for service to God. And so when Jesus is speaking to them that night, and he says, listen, guys, whichever branch in me bears fruit, the Father cleans so that it will bear more fruit. What he's saying is, is, is you, in spiritual languages, he's preparing you to do more for God as set-apart servants for God. He's using spiritual language. But here's the good word as he moves into verse 3. He says, but guess what? You've already been cleansed because of my word. I've already done the work of putting you in position to bear fruit. You don't have to do it yourself. Somewhere, Paul and the Reformed Church are cheering. Because you don't have to do the work to put yourself in position to, to, to bear fruit for God. Jesus already did that by means of the cross. But God's now going to work on you further. Are you catching it? That's why the word clean is so important. Jesus has already put us in a position to serve God, to be set apart for service to God. He's already made us clean by his word. Now he's going to take us one step further and make sure that we bear a lot of fruit for God. And he's going to do so, once again, by the word because that's what cleans us up in this day and age. We're not going to be cleaned up by doing Jewish rituals or eating kosher or, or, or being anointed at the right time or, 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 or participating in the, in the sweeping out of all bits of yeast from our home. We're not going to become ritually pure so that we can serve God today. No, we've already been made clean according to the word of the Lord. No, he's going to use his word to do a further pruning, a further cleansing to make sure that we can bear all the fruit that God has for us to bear. And this is where we get into the relational language. Jesus says, already you've been made clean by my word, so now abide in me. Abide in me. Spend time with me. Be close to me. Be in my presence. Be around me. This is what's so important for you to bear all the fruit that you're supposed to bear. But I want you to, I want you to hear this if you hear nothing else this morning. If we then move on to this word abide, but we reduce and separate it from this word of the word, we've made a mistake. 
Because all of this is meant to flow together. The Father further prunes you. You get clean by the word, so now abide in me. Look at verse 7 to prove this point. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus isn't saying, abide in me, oh, and get cleaned up by the word. He's saying, abide in me as you get cleaned up by the word. These two things go together. I'll give you further proof. John 8, 31, where Jesus uses abide in the only other time in John. He says, abide in my word, and then you are my disciples. If you abide in my word, then you're my disciples. He used that term abide once more. I'll show you one more place in scripture where we can make these causal links. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and following, where Jesus is talking to husbands and saying, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The word. That's how we get clean today. That's how we get set apart for service to God. So we have Jesus making the link between the word and cleansing. And we also have seen the link between abiding in Jesus and the word. They all go together. You don't separate them out. You don't say, well, I'm cleaned up by God through the word of God, and then I abide in Jesus. No, they go together. I asked Pastor Aaron, I ran across to his office this week. I said, Aaron, give me Give me a, 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 an item that when you put them together, they're homogenous. You can't separate them ever again. Give me something homogenous. And he sat there and he said, tea. Like tea. We're in a church. You say coffee. You don't say tea. <laughs> Christian drug of choice, Aaron. Do better. Right? So I'm going to go from tea to coffee just because I'm offended. I'm offended by that. Because once you run that hot water through those grounds, you have coffee. And it's impossible to have hot water and grounds again. No, you have coffee. You, you can't separate it out and be like, well, that's coffee and that's not water. No, they go together. The, the Bible now, in five different places in the span of the last two minutes I have showed you, brings the Word and Christ together like this, that they cannot be bifurcated, cannot be separated. They are homogenous. They go together like this. You cannot abide in Jesus without abiding in the word. You can't. You can't do it. Jesus isn't like, you know what? A couple hundred years from now, they're going to put verse numbers here. And in, at the end of verse 3, I'm going to change my thought process and then say abide in me. Think about this for just a moment. Already I've cleansed you by my word. A couple hundred years from now, somebody's going to put some verses in here. And then I'm going to think, oh, new thought, abide in me. No, he's saying, you're made clean by the word, therefore abide in me. And he wants to make it clear, so in verse 7, which he once again didn't know there'd be, probably knew there'd be verse numbers because he's Jesus, but wasn't thinking that way, he goes back and say, abide in me, and if my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and that's of course within, the kingdom or, within a kingdom orientation, and it will be given to you. It's not supposed to be separated. But how many of us are trying to abide in Jesus without abiding in the word? I mean, really. I mean, I mean this, the, that we have a relationship with Jesus and, and we have an affinity towards Jesus and we love Jesus. We'll sing about Jesus. We'll speak the name of Jesus. But we're trying to have coffee without the hot water. We're, we're, we're licking coffee grounds and hoping that it tastes good. 
See, that, that's, that's the problem here. We, we can look at these words, these relational words of abiding in Jesus and think that abiding's all about a feeling. Well, I, I have an affinity towards Jesus, so I, I am abiding in Jesus. I, I like Jesus. Jesus stirs something emotionally for me, and therefore I'm remaining in him. And, and, and that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is... is, is Jesus saying, the Father is going to further cleanse you, no longer by your Jewish distinctiveness, but by my word. He's going to make you clean. He's going to make you more productive. He's going to make sure that you bear a lot of fruit in this world, word, world, by and through my word, if you'll allow the Father to do that. Abiding in me and abiding in the word, they're not one and the same They're not the hot water and grounds. Hot water and grounds are not the same, but they are the coffee, if you will, of bearing fruit for God. They go together. They can't be separated. So I would ask you today, if God wants more fruit from you, and he does his cleansing by the word, what's cleansing you? What's cleaning you up? What's making you right now more fit for service to God? preparing you to be holy. I love what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Once again, the Bible's okay with mixed metaphors. Your English teacher isn't, the Bible is. But, But Jesus, or I'm sorry, Paul is talking about husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, giving himself up as a fragrant offering, and all of a sudden we move into a, a different tense and and a different uh, pronoun, and, and he's talking about the idea that, that there's this, this washing of water which sanctifies us, which set us, sets us apart for God through the word, and that's what Jesus has done for us. And of course, we, we get this mixed metaphor of Christ and the church and husbands and wives and marriage, and it's okay. It's okay because, because the Bible wants us to know that there are things that overlap in this life, and it's okay for the word of God to, to, to be something that we understand sanctifies us and sets us apart and makes us ready for service to God, and that's exactly how God planned it. And that should be in our homes, but that should also be in the church, and that should be throughout the world. But I ask you again, what's cleansing you? What's cleaning you up today? Are you abiding in Christ? If you're abiding in Christ, that means you're abiding in the Word. They go together. They're homogenous. They clean you up and prepare you for service to God. I've never met anybody who's been a powerful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who didn't abide in this thing. I haven't met anybody. It's a powerful servant of the Lord, somebody who really changed the world for the kingdom of God who hadn't been cleansed by this. So I ask you today, what's cleaning you up? Or do we only have a tangential relationship to the word of God? Do do we only have something that's just to the side of who we are as opposed to being at the center of who we are? If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if he's the one who you serve, if you have an affinity towards him, if you know that he is everything and you were put on this earth to serve him, then abide in his words according to verse 7. Remain in them. Stick around them all the time because they will change you. As we talk about all the time, the word of God is living and active. It, 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 it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
The word of God is inspired and useful for teaching, correcting, reproofing, and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped for every good work. It's what does the pruning. It's what does the cleansing. It's what puts us in a position to be holy. So I ask you today, are you abiding in it? Not, not because we want to be stodgy Christians and these are the rules. This is the rules. The rules are you read your Bible. Gabriel, every morning, read your Bible. You don't read your Bible? I'm coming for you. That's how it's sometimes been portrayed. Sorry, Gabe. Gonna give you a complex. I'm not coming for you. That's how it's been portrayed. But what does Jesus say? You're God's vineyard. Will you put yourself in position to produce for me? Will you allow yourself to be cleaned? That, that means that we have opportunity to read this every day. But I know this isn't accessible to every single one of us today. Some of us have had people in our life who have taught us how to read this and understand it. And it's accessible. The others of us, it, it, it's fine. We can read the Psalms and maybe John and Mark and some of the epistles. But beyond that, it'd be tough. But I just want to tell you today, there are more things at our disposal to help us abide in the word than ever before. Do you know that we have a line item here at the church that went over by like 400% this year? And everybody was glad. The trustees can tell you it was our Bible's line item because we made it possible for every single person who desired to have an English Standard Version Study Bible to have one. And that offer still stands. All you'd have to do is walk to the Welcome Center today and you'd get a study Bible that when you come across... Like my kids looked at me, they're like, what are you preaching on tomorrow, Dad? I said, abiding in Jesus. They're like, what's abide? Right? I'm like, oh, well, I hope the adults get that. But anyhow, that, that you'd look down and you'd see abiding is remaining and staying and staying close to in that study Bible. The offer still stands. There's a QR code on the back of your seat for those of you who know how to take a picture with your smartphone. And if you were to click on it today, you would see a link to Right Now Media it is Netflix for Christians with thousands of Bible studies for you and your children. If you don't have the Bible as accessible to you today because no one's ever taught you how to read it, all you have to do is take a picture and go click. And you could say, the book of John. And somebody far more talented and compelling than me could teach it to you. Because it's accessible. It's easy the church pays thousands of dollars every year so that you can click on that QR code and click on that Right Now Media and have every single word of Scripture accessible to you right now. You can abide. You don't even have to come to Life Group to study the Word. But if you like other people and you'd love to be prayed for once in a while and you'd like to grow with other Christians could sign up for a life group today and study the book of Colossians or Galatians or Ephesians or Philippians. And you could start next week abiding in the word with other Christians helping to inform your understanding of what it means to be clean. Wouldn't that be cool? To spend time for six or eight weeks with other Christians abiding in the word you say, Pastor Matt, I abide in the word every Sunday. I come here. Well, no one's going to look at you and be like, well, congratulations on your weekly bath. 
you know? I mean, that's good. I'm glad you bathe once a week, but I don't know that that's abiding in this thing. I mean, we did, what, five, five verses today? I think you can beat that just this week because it's God's mode of cleansing us. It's God's mode of putting us in a position to be clean. None of you have to eat kosher today. None of you has to go through rituals to enter the temple. None of you has to bake unleavened bread or put yourselves in a position today to to do all types of things that make you distinctively God's. Just one. Abiding in the word of God. It makes you clean and sets you up for service to him. So I would encourage you, what are you doing to get cleansed? What are you doing to get cleansed? Just today I've given you two options that are so easy, it's almost unfair how easy they are. Come study this thing with other Christians or take advantage of the resources that we have for you. But God wants to change you. He wants to give you more fruit. And he wants you to know more about Jesus. He wants you to be relationally driven. Because the more you know about him, the more you understand what he's done for you, the more you will love him and want to serve him and give him your all in this life. So for those of you who are production-oriented, God bless you. Study the word. For those of you who are relationally driven, God bless you. Study the word. The payoff's the same. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have made us clean today by your word. You have spoken life and truth and salvation into our lives. God, I pray in this place that we would desire to abide in you. Abiding, Lord, in you that we might bear all the fruit that you have for us in this life. God, I pray that we would not pursue this through wishing and hoping or even through a general affinity to you, Lord Jesus. But as we study your word and desire lasting change, God, that you would reveal yourself to us. May we see more of Jesus as we study your word. May we understand your goodness and your mercy and your love for us to an even greater extent. And God, I pray that as you clean us up and clean us out and prepare us for all the things that you have for us in this life, that your word would become our sustenance, filling us up that we may bear fruit for God. God, we thank you that every single one of us was created in Christ Jesus to do good works in advance, which you prepared for us to do. So, Lord, I pray that we would take a simple lesson from your word today, which is to bear more fruit. We abide in your word, and in abiding in your word, we grow in a relationship to you. Make these things manifest in our life, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand today? Because if you don't stand, or if you don't start moving, you can't leave. We would love for you to stop by our life group little tables out there, see what we have available. They're also all on our website today. You can sign up that way. 
Of course, if you have the Church Center app, you can sign up that way. Uh, if you just want to write on your neighbor's hand, I'm going to Life Group, you can sign up that way. Uh, whatever makes sense to you. But if you're interested in finding a group this morning, we'd love for you to stop by and say hello. And uh, even if you don't end up going to that life group, at least you've made a new friend, all right? Let's pray and ask God to send us on our way. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd send us on our way with a love and a passion for you, a love and a passion for your word. And I pray, Lord, that we'd see lasting change this year as you change us in the way that you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.